Wisconsin sports fans. Welcome to MVP, a Wisconsin sports podcast where we debate and discuss all things Wisconsin sports, including the Packers, Brewers, Badgers, and your 2021 NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. And now, broadcasting from their man caves are your hosts, Punk and Mark! What is up? David's here. Hey guys, it's Mark. It's been a while. It's been, what, three weeks since uh, we've gotten together? Yeah, something like that. Uh, it's been, Well, it's been three weeks since we've talked about sports on a podcast. It's definitely not been three weeks since we've talked about sports, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean... We hung out what like a week ago, so um, yeah, we we sat next to each other and witnessed the uh, disaster in London. So yeah, that wasn't fun. And then to make it more of a disaster, both me and you get COVID from that trip as well. So that that really ended well for us. Yeah, it was uh, it was just the trip that kept on giving good things one after another there. I mean, it was a good time, right? Like, we had fun. Yeah. We got to go check out London and Paris and do some cool stuff. But, yeah, the game itself sucked. COVID sucked. But, I mean, it was a fun trip. It it was. a It was a great trip, fun trip. Um, Obviously, not fun having to sit in quarantine. And uh, ultimately, I mean, I missed the last Packer home game because I was in quarantine. That ended up actually working out in my favor. I will say for having a weekend where I couldn't do anything except watch football, it was a pretty crappy weekend to watch football. Honestly, like a lot of games that are on in TV slots have been kind of blah to watch. I mean, the non-Packer and Badger games were were good. Like the Tennessee-Alabama game, the USC-Utah game was great. Uh, Bills-Chiefs was entertaining. Like there were some other good games, but as far as my teams go, that it, they sucked. Well, I, quite frankly, I th- I flipped to uh, the Tennessee Alabama game over the end of that Badger game. I flipped it right as the Badgers were losing, and so I got to see the whole wobbly kick, and then watch them take the uh, take the goalposts down, carry them down, go dump them off in the river. That was fun. That was a very fun game. That was in the watching the student section try to navigate the goalposts out of the stadium was. Uh, pretty epic thing to watch, and uh, I think it's been like 15, 16 seasons uh, since they beat Bama. Anytime anybody takes down Bama, it's always exciting, and I did see that they were raising funds to get a goalpost back because apparently they need them to play this upcoming week. Yeah, I saw that tweet. It was something like, hey, remember how we took the goalposts down and carried them out of the stadium and dumped them in the river? Yeah, that was super fun. Uh, can you help us pay for new goalposts so we can play on Saturday, though? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty funny. I, they're creative with it. Can't say I could see Wisconsin storming any fields like, uh, coming up here. Hey, we're going to storm when we beat Purdue on Saturday. If they storm when we beat Purdue, I give up on the student section. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, before we get into Wisconsin sports, though, uh, I want to give a shout out again to my guest last week, Sanjay, uh, being able to come on and join us. And I was a terrible host and I did not give him a chance to plug his own podcast that he does every week. So I'm going to plug it here for him. Uh, he records every week on the freezer podcast. He does a great job, very knowledgeable. It's all about the Packers. Um, very, very knowledgeable, very good. Listen, highly recommend it. You've listened to it. I've listened to it. Uh, I, I listen to it every week. I, I believe you do as well. So, um, very much recommend it. And again, I apologize to him for being a terrible host and not giving him that chance. But if you get a chance, go check out the freezer podcast. It is a, a I very highly recommend it. Yeah, it definitely is a great listen. I enjoy listening it. Uh, to it when I get the chance. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my guest, uh, Mark, well, I don't think he has a podcast that I can plug for him. If he wants to start one, I'm sure everybody would love his uh, awesome takes on coaches and his love for coaches and refs and everything else in sports. Yeah, one hour, my old man talking, just ranting about whatever's on his mind. Sounds Sounds entertaining, right? Uh, I'm. I mean, I would listen to it because he's got some pretty good takes sometimes. 
At least that's one person on this podcast who would listen to it. <laughs> He's got to start somewhere. <laughs> right. But I got to hit you with the dad joke. So for all our listeners that uh, listen to us, they will notice this podcast is uh, extra day late. Um, I actually got Mark with a good dad joke last night that he didn't appreciate. So we'll try it again. You're not going to give me the same dad joke? Oh, I thought no. I'd actually get one for once. <laughs> Nope. I, I thought about it. I'm like, nope, can't make it that easy. Oh, come on. Yes, you can. I, I absolutely believe you can make it that easy. <laughs> nope. Uh, what would you get if you crossed a dinosaur with a pig? Uh, an Oinkosaurus Rex? Nope. Jurassic pork. Oh, uh, that's good. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Good times. So Good times. Good times. Let's jump right on into this Badger game. So uh, we kind of alluded to it. have to talk about Uh, sports this week? I don't know. I think we're, what, about six minutes in of non-sports? Well, we talked about some sports, but, I mean, we could probably. Yeah. (laughs) I think our listeners would be like, perfect. We don't have to hear about all these crappy results, right? exactly now we should probably do it we should probably bite the bullet and go uh jump into some football here yeah so the badgers lost to michigan state they at least took it to overtime it was 21 21 going into overtime so you know the badgers had an opportunity they got scored on they scored back and they got the ball and on the first carry on the second possession of the overtime, uh, Braylon Allen has his first ever college fumble, and they lose the ball, and the rest is history. Michigan goes to score to win the game. Yeah, so very up-and-down game from pretty much everyone on the team. We can start on the offensive side of the ball. Graham Mertz made some fantastic throws, right? Some really nice throws uh, at sometimes, and then other times he would just like – throw it right to a Michigan state defender. Like he made some really boneheaded dumb throws to like, what are you doing, dude? Uh, Same goes for Braylon Allen has a great game. And then to start the second overtime, he fumbles it and that ends up costing them the game. And they lose because of that. Like the offensive line had some nice blocks on sometimes and then got killed on others. Like it was a very up and down performance uh, specifically from the offense here. And uh, I mean, I wish that they, So they dominated Northwestern, had great play calling, lots of play action added into it. This time it seemed way more predictable. Like their first, however many drives came out, run, 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 run. And then they went pass, 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 pass. It was like a complete flip, but it was never like mixed in together. Well, Um, I think it was an improvement over where they were earlier in the season, but I'd like to kind of go back to that play calling style we had against Northwestern. Um, I'm sure they're still trying to find their footing here without Chris there or whatever, but I think they took a little bit of a step back in the play calling department, but overall, I mean, I got to give the offense a, like a C ish this week because some really good, some really bad. Yeah, I, I would be right in there with you with like a C grade. Uh, it was a very up and down, like you're saying. Graham Mertz finished with 131 yards passing, two touchdowns. That interception you were talking about, he got one of those touchdowns in overtime. So other than, you know, overtime, it still was only a one touchdown performance from him. So nothing too crazy from Grand Mertz. Uh, I would say at this point, I'm ready to kind of close the book on Grand Mertz and uh, realize that it was a heck of a dream that we got that heck, you know, that high of a prospect. And unfortunately, I don't know if he'll, I'm ready to close the book and say he's never going to pan out to be what we thought. See, I'm actually way more optimistic on Mertz this season than I was last season. I think he's shown tremendous strides this year in his ability. Like he has very natural arm talent that is probably like top three in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is chock full of just crappy quarterbacks. And I think Graham Mertz can make more throws than most of them. Probably not like CJ Stroud, but like most of the Big Ten, I think he's got better talent than. And he's got a, he's still got to develop. Like I said, he's still making some dumb throws, making some bad reads on stuff. But when he ma- drops those dimes, like 
that is better than anything we've really seen out of Wisconsin besides Russell Wilson, the one year we had him. Like, I'm very high, actually, on Graham Mertz and what he can potentially do for this team. Now, there's more that going that goes into the quarterback position than just arm talent, and that's the stuff he still has to work on. But I also think he's made, he's made leaps and bounds there as well compared to last year last year he felt like a one read qb he was always throwing it to his first guy this year i can see him going through his progressions i can see him running the ball more and scrambling to get out of the pocket different things like that he's he's definitely not to where he needs to be but i am a lot more optimistic on him than where i was this time last year is there even like two good quarterbacks in the big 10 no and that's kind of my point yeah the big 10 is chock full of terrible quarterbacks. Like Graham Mertz after his performance last year was ranked. I believe uh, the athletic did a preview of ranking positions in the big 10 and they ranked Graham Mertz as the eighth best quarterback in the big 10 after last year. Like that should show you how bad the big 10 is when it comes to quarterbacks. I would easily put him as a top five QB in the big 10 right now. And I think he has a potential to be like number one or two. Man, that's uh, not saying much about the quarterback play in the Big Ten. No, it's not. I mean, college football itself is full of bad quarterbacks. Yeah. Bad quarterbacks and bad kickers. Like, Yeah, that that is true. I mean, there are few and far between like good quarterbacks in, the, in all of college football. Yeah, it's... He's certainly not like going to ever be an NFL quarterback. I definitely wouldn't say that, but he's, I think for where he's at, I would have no problem going into next year with him as our starting quarterback still. Yeah. They might not have much choice on that one. (laughs) Absolutely. You want to get over to the defense though. Uh, I thought the defense was similar as the offense up and down, shut him down. Some drives gave Gave up some touchdowns, some drives. I think the 34 and the score is a little misleading. It was 21-21 in overtime, uh, which I think is a more accurate reflection of how the defense performed rather than 34. But, uh, I mean, it was an up-and-down game, and unfortunately, Michigan State got the better of them. Yeah, the secondary is still showing, you know, maybe some communication issues or just lack of experiences they gave up uh, 290 yards, three touchdowns in this game. Uh, so, yeah, I would just say that the secondary continues to be one of the weaker points of this defense and uh, kind of why we've seen a non-traditional like Wisconsin defense because even those bad quarterbacks are finding ways to pass on the secondary. Yeah, that is absolutely true. The secondary has been awful this year. It's it is young. Uh it's full of young players and transfers, but it's not nearly living up to what the expectations we had for it are. It's completely killing this Badgers defense. Hopefully these young players will gain experience, but it's uh it's a struggle for the secondary right now. They can't seem to stop any passing games except for Northwestern's and that's a very low bar, so <laughs> very low bar very low bar yes i i really got nothing else on wisconsin uh against michigan state here do you have anything before we kind of look ahead to purdue not really um before we get to the purdue thing i was going to ask you so wisconsin now needs to go three and two to keep their bowl streak alive do you think they do it so they got what Purdue, Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota left, I believe. And they got went three of five. No, it's gonna be tough. I think all five of those games are winnable. I think probably four of them are also losable. <laughs> I mean, Iowa can't score on anybody, so they should be able to beat Iowa. And Nebraska lost to Northwestern, so they should be able to beat Nebraska. But the other three games, I kind of put all as coin flips. Um, but I'm going to say they do it because I think they beat Nebraska and Iowa. And I think they can win one of the other three. But it's definitely not a sure thing. Um, I hope they can keep the bull streak alive. The It's fun having that long bull streak. It's fun playing in a bowl game, even if it's going to be in like the Idaho potato bowl or whatever crappy bowl game they could possibly get the cheese its bowl or whatever but uh <laughs> i mean i'd like to see them i like it when they play on a random tuesday in december at 11 a.m i'm all for that 
That sounds fun. I can watch the game while I'm working. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for an extra game, but uh, them getting to bowl eligible is going to be quite the feat. I mean, they end up bowl eligible this year. I would say Wisconsin fans need to take that as a win and uh, just wrap up the season. Yeah, absolutely. If they, I, that's my, that is my remaining goal for this Badger team is get to bowl eligibility. Um, there's a chance they could get at five teams lately. They've been taking five win teams in the bowls because there's too many bowl games to fill. Um, and then that goes to like grades and stuff like that for how they pick. So Wisconsin would probably have a pretty good shot at that, but I mean, that feels kind of cheap, right? Like let's get to six wins and actually earn a bowl game. Do they grade on how much their fans drink? Because if that's the case, Wisconsin's guaranteed to get in even at five wins. Yeah, right. For sure. <laughs> All right. Let's get to this Purdue game. What do you got for me this week? Yeah, so they're going to take on uh, five and two Purdue. Uh, the over-under is currently 51, I'm showing. Somehow the Badgers continue to get the love. They're favored here at uh, two and a half, so really since their home team, probably probably not technically favored because home team usually gets three on the spread. So, yeah, I I hate to do this. I, I want to pick Wisconsin. I am always a fan of always picking my teams to win, even though I – Sometimes think they might lose. I just could never go against my team. Uh, but in this case, I'm going to have to go against them again. I'm going to go Purdue wins this one. Uh, 24-17. That's really funny. Last night you picked the Badgers to win. <laughs> you had the Badgers winning 21-18 when you made your prediction last night. So not as optimistic of a Dave today as there was last night. No, I didn't even remember what I made last night. So. <laughs> I'm going to stick with my original prediction. I had Purdue also winning 27 to 24. Uh, You mentioned Vegas. Vegas has the Badgers winning 27 to 24. So I have the same score as Vegas, but I'm flipping the team who I think wins. Nice. I I forgot that I picked the Badgers. Oh, well, sorry, Badgers. Hopefully they uh, prove you right from last night and show me and you up from tonight. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Let's get to the other really crappy football game that occurred. Hold on, hold on. I will save us from talking about crappy sports back to back. You're right. Uh, let's you're right. We wanted to bring some optimism in. I apologize yes. for skipping over this. We wanted to bring some optimism in, and there were some Wisconsin sports teams that actually performed well this past week. Yeah, so I'm going to start off very optimistic. I want to talk about the Wisconsin men's hockey team. <laughs> oh great never mind scratch that yeah who started 0 and 4 um they lost to st cloud state 1 to 5 and 1 to 2 in the last week here unfortunately uh, they're off to another rough start that's after a very rough season last year as well very interesting to me um to follow this storyline throughout the season because uh, Wisconsin men's hockey is typically known for having good teams with championship aspirations. And uh, Coach Granado has not even over 500 as a coach for the Badgers. I So it'll be really interesting to see, um, can he hold on this whole season? Can the Badgers uh, men's team turn it around? Or will this be the last season that uh, we see Granado at coach and they make a switch? Yeah, the, me and you have talked about this a couple times off the pod, and I'm a little surprised he hasn't been let go already. You talked about the Wisconsin hockey team. They're expected to compete for national championships. That's what they do. Wisconsin hockey is a national powerhouse. They are supposed to compete for national titles, and they have not done that under Tony Granato. They had one really good year a couple of years ago with Cole Caulfield was there and everything. But outside of that, they've been terrible. Like you said, he's under 500 as the Wisconsin head coach. That's absolutely unacceptable for this program. And I'm, I mean, Chris McIntosh let Paul Christ go with a winning percentage over 70%. And like all this, we don't need to relitigate the Paul Christ stuff. But like the, the amount of success that Paul Christ had compared to Granado is immense. Like it's so much more than what Tony Granado has done. And I got to think if he has another bad year that he's going to be gone as well, because I mean, McIntosh just 
shown that he's willing to make moves where he sees fit. And like, I mean, he's, he's just not getting the job done. The Wisconsin hockey program should be a heck of a lot better than it currently is under, uh, under coach Granado. Yeah. I mean, I would just say at this point, we were kind of heating up, uh, Paul Chris seat before the, uh, earth shattering fire there. I would say the seat is definitely on fire in the men's hockey program at this point. I would even say it's heated up. I would say it's pretty much on fire. And if you can't turn it around, uh, the writing's got to be on the wall. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Can we transition to something a little bit more positive now? Yes, 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 we can. So on the women's hockey side, a lot better results here. They started off the season at their 7-1. So they have started off pretty fast here. They beat St. Cloud State 5-0 and then 3-2 and in overtime. So once again, uh, the women's team is looking very strong on the hockey side. And yeah, it's exciting to see that you know, at least one of the hockey teams looks to be very competitive and a good spot to have a great year. No, that's great to hear. Uh, it's nice to see the Wisconsin women's hockey team kind of saving the state here. We'll get into the women's volleyball team as well. They're also kind of saving the state this week and getting us some good performances because the men's teams in all aspects of this state really let us down here. So getting off to a great start for the Wisconsin women's hockey team and uh, hope they can keep it up. Yeah, and then on the volleyball side, the women's are uh, thirteen and three overall, seven and one in the conference. In the last week here, they did beat Iowa three zero, uh, and then they beat uh, ranked Michigan, who was ranked twenty fourth in the nation. They beat them three sets to one. So, very awesome start for the volleyball team. Once again, another program for Wisconsin the women's volleyball team coming off of a heck of a year last year has very high aspirations this season and so far looking pretty good for them absolutely all right should we get to the negative yes I guess we can let's get to this absolutely craptacular game on Sunday where the Packers got shelled by the New York Jets. I don't honestly even know where to begin with this. The offense was terrible. Defense was terrible. Special teams was terrible. Coaching was terrible. Like, I don't know where you want to begin. It was all terrible. Yeah, one thing I want to talk about right away that continues to get time, um, uh, you know, all over the place is uh, one thing that I don't understand. So, uh, you know, as a coach, when we come out here and lose um, and, you know, we have a bad performance, we take the loss, coach comes out, and the one of the things that he always comes back to is either A, we don't run the ball enough, or B, Aaron Jones is not getting the ball enough. Uh, so for me, like, that's super frustrating, and I get annoyed by it because every time we lose it comes back to Aaron Jones needs the ball more well if that's the case why the heck are we not giving him the ball early middle of the game late in the game like I'm not saying you know you need to force the ball to him all the time but if every time we lose you keep coming back to Aaron Jones needs the ball more then obviously you have to script and run more plays to Aaron Jones every single game. I mean, I, so this, there's a lot for me to complain about with the Packers. The play calling, honestly, is not one of them. I think the play calling complaints are a little bit overrated by Packer fans. Um, I think they do a pretty good job of getting their playmakers, the football, a lot of their plays are designed for certain reads where there's a lot of different options uh, where the quarterback can keep it, can throw it, can, hand it off depending on what he's reading and stuff like that. I think they do an okay job getting Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon the ball. I think Aaron Jones didn't really perform that well on Sunday. He had nine carries for 19 yards. Sure. In an ideal world, should he get more? Yeah. But like he wasn't doing anything with the carries he was getting. I don't, the Packers were losing in the second half. They're obviously not going to run the ball a ton when they're down multiple scores. You have to throw the ball to try to score quicker. Like, 
I don't know. I don't think, I, I think play calling a lot of times has to do with the specific game script. When you're losing, you're going to throw the ball because you have to score quickly. So when you're losing, your rushing numbers are going to be down a lot. When you're winning, you're trying to run the clock out. You're handing the ball off more. Your rushing numbers are going to be up. So overall, I I mean, yeah, in an ideal world, does AJ Jones, Aaron Jones probably get it like 15 to 18 times a game? Yeah, but I mean, I I don't know. He got it 12 times this game. I don't think like it's that much of a difference. I don't think it really it made too much of a difference. Yeah, I mean, his numbers are slightly skewed. So, you know, he had a big run that was taken off by a, po- a poor offensive line performance. And um, he did have a you know, a route that he ran perfectly got wide open and Aaron Rodgers misses him as well on that one. So um, definitely opportunities for his line to look better in this game. Uh, But that's just one thing I want to point out. Definitely not like the biggest things of this game. I think one of the bigger areas of this game is the fact that Aaron Rodgers was out there with his thumb and you could clearly tell early on in this game that it was impacting his ability to even hold the ball. Uh, a couple of throws, he th- spiked lower to the ground in front of the wide receivers. And, you know, I mean, granted, he came back and hit a heck of a throw to Lazard later in the game. But it, early on in that game, I was like messaging you and everybody. I'm like, why is he even out there? He can't even grip a football right now. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, Sanjay and I talked about. Aaron Rodgers last week and pretty much everything we talked about rolls over into this week as well of he looks old like he does not look like the same Aaron Rodgers there's glimpses of it right he throws that absolute just dime to Alan Lazard the beautiful pass that's the old Aaron Rodgers but he's not doing it consistently his average depth of target this year is one of the lowest in the entire NFL like he's not taking any risks whatsoever He's and part of that is we don't have anyone who can get open deep and I'll get into that too. But like Aaron Rodgers just does not look like the same Aaron Rodgers. He only has three rushes this year for five yards. I brought it up a few times, but Acme Pack and company has did, did a really good job breaking this down. You can go look it up of how one of the first things to go with quarterbacks when they age is they're rushing. Aaron Rodgers is not rushing the ball at all this year. He's basically just like uh, throwing it every single time. Like I said, he has three rushes for five yards. His his deep th- his deep shots have, when he is taking them he's not hitting them you mentioned the Aaron Jones route he had Aaron Jones wide open just completely misses him on that throw like he to me he's not awful Aaron Aaron Rodgers is not like an awful quarterback but when you're paying a guy 50 million dollars you need him to be playing at an MVP level. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you need an MVP caliber quarterback. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to sustain it for a full season, but like Joe Flacco, when he won the Super Bowl, that stretch run, he was playing like an MVP level quarterback. Matt Stafford last year was amazing for the Rams. Like you need to have your quarterback playing at that high of a level if you want to win. And right now the Packers are not getting that. Maybe they'll turn around and they will get that, but right now they're not. And until Aaron Rodgers steps up his game, all the other complaints, and there's a lot of them. We'll get to the defense. We'll get to the offensive line. But until he can start playing as a top five, top 10 quarterback, none of those problems are going to matter. Without a quarterback, the Packers aren't winning the Super Bowl anyway. So, like, when you're paying Aaron Rodgers $50 million, he needs to play like he's worth $50 million. Yeah, it's almost like he's out there. And I, I don't know. I don't want to speak on behalf of his one want or willingness to be out there but it's almost like he diverted back to the Aaron Rodgers that uh does like he'll help go out there and compete and try to win but it's like the Aaron Rodgers that's just out there to be out there and I don't know it's weird how he, he you know it comes off of back-to-back MVPs and now like it, something in him is just different than the last couple of years and I don't know if it's he thought about retiring so much, so he's just not a hundred percent into it or what, but uh definitely something is off in at least early on in the season here. Yeah. Um right now we me and you have talked about it previously before the season, before the offseason, that we thought the Packers should trade Aaron Rodgers and kind of go into a rebuild because you're gonna have all these years where you're in cap hell and doing the route going the route they chose 
just makes makes it worse. And I get it because you're cut. You have a back to back MVP quarterback. You think you have a team that's going to be good enough to compete for a Super Bowl. But me and you both kind of said we would have gone the other route. And right now, I think me and you both kind of feel should feel a little vindicated here because the Packers are as currently constructed. Maybe things can turn around. It, I mean, like starting three and three is not a death sentence or anything like that. And like, there's a long time left. Things, things can certainly flip, but right now this Packers team is not good enough to win a Super Bowl, And all they're doing is wrecking their cap for future years because of it. They could have flipped Rogers for a bunch of draft picks, a bunch of young players kind of started the rebuild. You give Jordan love a year as a starter to see if he's anything. I know a lot of people don't think he is, but you would find out if he is. And if he's not, well, then he's going to be terrible and you can go draft another quarterback anyway, because you're going to have a high draft pick because you have a terrible quarterback. So like, I mean, granted they'll still probably run that same way, but I don't know. Right now, it's looking like a big missed opportunity that the Packers had to kind of sell high on Aaron Rodgers after the year. Yeah, it definitely is. And it, his value at this point is not as high as it was in, during the offseason, you got to believe in. Um, it, we're kind of seeing what we feared is that we knew when you got Aaron Rodgers back, especially if he took a big contract, which he did, that um, it didn't matter if he took a big contract or not. We weren't going to put the same caliber of team that we had last year out on the field. We just didn't have cap room to make that happen. Um, so we were going to put out a team that probably wasn't as good as the team the year before that didn't get us to the Super Bowl. Uh, we tried it the year before. We didn't get to the Super Bowl as well. So uh, we knew that was probably going to be the case and our chances in that window of a Super Bowl were still there, but not that great. And I definitely would have um, liked the Packers to, you know, jump into it now instead of pushing cap down the road, uh, because there's going to now be a time when we don't have Aaron Rodgers that we're going to be in such cap nightmare that we're not even going to be able to feel the very competitive team because we're just trying to get out of the cap nightmare that we created by, uh, trying to push this Super Bowl window as far as possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably going to end up being about a two to three year stretch where the Packers are going to probably put out a pretty bad product because they're going to have to be like getting out of the cap hell. And hopefully during that time, they can at least maximize trying to find young players, young a young quarterback and things like that. But we'll see when that time comes. That's a ways down the road. I want to kind of still focus on this current team, this current iteration of the Packers. Uh, I want to move to the offensive line here because this was a big storyline too. Everyone's jumping on Royce Newman and rightfully so. He was awful on Sunday. He couldn't pick up a stunt block. I've been a defender of Royce Newman. I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people make him out to be, but he was awful on Sunday. He got benched for Jake Hansen. Jake Hansen goes and hurts his bicep and has to leave the game. So Royce Newman, unfortunately, has to play the rest of the game. I don't think Royce Newman is out there on Sunday. I don't think that Yoshin, I, I see a lot of people calling for Yosh Nyman. Um, I don't think that he's ready to play right tackle. I mean, realistically, right, this past week was the first time Bakhtiari came out and played every snap at left tackle. So I'm assuming up until this week, Yosh Nyman has been practicing as a left tackle. So he, I don't think he's practiced at all as a right tackle. Uh, he hasn't played right tackle since college. He's only played left tackle in the NFL. I don't think he can just like flip a switch. We all see what's happening to Elton Jenkins trying to flip over to right tackle. So I don't think Yosh Nyman is the answer, but I do expect there to be a change made at guard. I'm assuming Jake Hansen can't go. I'm going to go my, my guess, and this is just pure guess here, but I, I think Zach Tom is going to be starting at right guard on Sunday. And I honestly, I hope so. He was really good in the preseason and Royce Newman has been bad this year. He, I thought he was okay last year, um, but he's been frankly bad, especially this past Sunday. And I, so I don't know, we'll see pure guess on my point, but I expect Zach Tom to kind of start at right guard on Sunday. My assumption is they're going to have a new look five. I have like, there's no way in my mind that you can run those same five guys back out after that performance that they uh, played against the jets. And unfortunately for like the Packers, it wasn't even like Royce Newman had a bad game, but then for, for whatever reason, John Runyon goes and has one of his worst games in the, I should even say one, probably the worst game he had all year as well. So we had two guards that couldn't block anybody, and 
we had a you know a right tackle struggling that's holding on to people getting f- fifth you know 10 yard holding penalties all the time here it was not a good performance by this offensive line and it definitely made what the packers wanted to do offensively very tough in this game no, certainly. I mean, John Runyon, one of the big storylines all season was how great he's been. He was the only guard in the NFL who had not given up a single QB pressure up until this week. And I believe he gave up four of them this week. Like he was awful. Josh Myers wasn't good. David Bakhtiari legitimately was good. He was the one offensive lineman who played really well. It was good to kind of see the old David Bakhtiari back. Elton Jenkins was a great run blocker, but he kind of got shit on in the past game. Um, which has kind of been his story so far this year too. I don't, I mean, Myers is going to be your center. Runyon is going to be your guard. Elton Jenkins is probably, he's going to be either guard or tackle. I I still think he's going to be the tackle, Um, which is why I said uh, Royce Newman, I think is the one spot you kind of can change out. And honestly, it's not like Myers and Runyon's performance this season says they should be benched. They've been pretty good this year, um, especially Runyon, but like, yeah, it, it was not a good week. This Four of the five offensive linemen were bad this week. You could maybe say Jenkins was okay because, like I said, he was a good run blocker. But the three interior offensive linemen were, were really bad. Wasn't Myers pretty highly rated in this game, though? Uh, From PFF? I thought Bakhtiari was the only one who got a good grade. I think uh, Myers was in the top five, if I remember correctly. Was he? I do not remember that. Let me, I'm pulling it up right now. Give me just a second. No. Who knows? I could be wrong. Oh, you know, you're right. Okay, he was, but he was way, his grade was still way worse than what Bakhtiari's was. So Bakhtiari was the number one offensive player at an 86.7. Josh Myers was number four, but he was all the way down at a 64.4. So it's not like he was good. And the only reason he was, um, rated where he was was because he was the only offensive lineman that didn't give up a single pressure and pass protection yeah so like he was i guess he was fine whatever the guards were not good i wouldn't even say myers was good he was fine but let's transition here to the defense here a little bit the defense was started really good first half was great they shut down the jets in the first half the pass defense honestly was pretty good they limited the the Jets passing game like really well. The the Jets passed for what like a little over a hundred yards. It wasn't a lot. Like they they did a really good job. Hundred and ten. Yeah, hundred and ten yards. I'll take that every single week. If you're telling me our opponent's going to pass for hundred and ten yards, so our pass defense was great. They were great in the first half. Unfortunately, in the second half, the run defense once again like just got completely just run over. I don't know what you do at this point. Like. Yeah, it's coaching. They could put more guys in the box, but at some point people got to man up and like just hold their blocks and like fill the gaps. Like Campbell and Quay Walker both again had bad games. Dean Lowry again had a bad game. Kenny Clark was good. Jaron Reed was okay, but like you need more than one good defensive lineman and one okay defensive lineman to stop the run game. Yeah, they gave up 179 yards in this game, 5.4 yards average, two touchdowns. Um, Yeah, it was overall this uh, quote-unquote, you know, really good defensive front on paper has definitely kept the on-paper designation because when you actually put them on film, it has been nothing but terrible, uh, non-pretty, uh, defense here in terrible lane assignment, terrible setting the edges, uh, just all across the board. This team is struggling to stop the run. And uh, if teams continue to do this throughout the season, we're not going to go very far and we probably won't even make the playoffs at this rate. Yeah, it's it's certainly something that they really need to find a way to figure out just to just not be awful on run defense, right? Like run defense in the grand scheme of things, isn't really that important. Your pass defense is so much more consequential to your result in your run defenses. But like, you can't be awful at run defenses where teams can literally just run it over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter what you do. And I like, I get some of it is scheme. Like in the second half, when the jets are running down the clock, Joe Barry staying in nickel coverages. Like you don't need a fifth DB out there, bring in another big dude, either a linebacker or defensive lineman. But like, I'm also skeptical that that one 
defensive lineman or linebacker is going to make that much of a difference when Dean Lowry is getting blown off the blocks or like Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell aren't filling the gaps properly or wrapping up when they are filling the gaps properly. Like there's just so much going on here with the, with the run defense and there's so many different people you can blame with it. And which, which makes it hard for me to see it turning around because it's not just like one thing that needs to flip. It's not like Devonja Campbell just needs to get back to how he was or that Joe Barry needs to make a scheme change. Like it's a lot of different things and it's very disheartening here. At least we did see a step up with the past defense. Like I said, they were good, probably their best game of the season. Uh, maybe again, the Tampa Bay game was better, but um, I, I'll, yeah, it was uh, not pretty at run defense for sure. Yeah, one thing that's kind of caught my eye on a few rewatches here of uh, the last couple of weeks that I didn't notice as much as last year. And I don't know how much this is playing into uh, like Campbell's play over the last couple of weeks, but one thing I've been noticing is Campbell's having to. Uh, really rearrange a lot of the defenders and get the defenders in the right place. And a couple times he's still trying to get like Quay Walker or some of the defensive guys to shift to certain areas and the ball's being snapped. So he's not ready himself. So I don't know how much that goes into um, the overall play of Devondre Campbell in recent weeks, but last year he just seemed so much faster filling the holes and um, it, he was able to play really freely because guys were, in my opinion, especially later in that season, were more assignment sure. And um, he wasn't having to direct traffic as much as he is right now. And I got to believe that's part of the reason he's not ready when the ball's being snapped is because he's trying to get the rest of the defense aligned in the correct, uh, you know, the position they're supposed to be. Yeah, that might be part of it, but some of it's just on him too. Like, I mean, missing tackles. He had that one. He had the chance to uh, bring down Braxton Berrios and Braxton Berrios, like five foot nine Braxton Berrios was able to stiff arm him away. Like that's just on him or like he. So what is the stat? He had he only had four missed tackles all last year. He has nine so far this year, like through six games. Like that's just not going to cut it. And there was always that chance Devondre Campbell was going to be a one year wonder. Um, hopefully that's not the case. I mean, the Packers defense improved last year as they played more and their communication improved because communication is a huge thing on this Packers defense. So hopefully that's something that will kind of improve as the season goes on and kind of get to where we were last year. But right now it's just, I mean, it's just not good enough. And he's a big part of it. Quay Walker's a big part of it. I'm not as upset with Quay. Like he's a young guy who, uh, like you can see the flashes there and like, I'm a, I like a rookie playing bad in his first year to me is never that big of a deal. Like a lot of rookies come out there bad their first year and then are fine players. So I'm not super worried about Quay yet, but uh, I'm really worried about a lot of the other guys. Yeah, it's uh it's a lot of moving pieces on this defense and what they've put out there, especially in the run game is just not good enough to win in the NFL. And, uh, they got to find a way to get better, and uh, a lot of these guys are going to have to dig really deep and uh, take a step forward, and the leaders on this team are going to have to step up and start lighting some fires and uh, start playing with an edge. This team needs to uh, find an edge, find some energy, and bring it out on the field because sometimes they just uh, look pretty lackluster, especially on some of those tackling missed tackles where – in my opinion, the effort kind of just looked ho-hum, and uh, that's probably why they missed the tackle. It wasn't 100% effort. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't like to judge people's efforts because I'm sure all these guys, I, I like to think that they're all going as hard as they can. I know people like to talk about effort when teams are losing and stuff like that, but no one ever talks. I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting on a mini rant here. I don't want to go into that. Um, we can move on here quick. I do want to touch on the special teams quick. Uh, this was kind of our first real bad special teams. No, no, we're not talking about special teams. That's where I draw my line. You're done. <laughs> you filled it up last year. You got enough. Yep. I, I'm a hundred percent done with special teams. I didn't think they could break my heart any more than they did last year. And here we are again. They, they still stink. They're terrible. I mean, it was one bad week. I think overall they've been pretty good this year. It's probably yeah. been their best unit on the team for the season. 
but uh it's this was a rough one and i mean like even this one had its positives right like they had the the uh blocked punt themselves that was really nice I, last year's team certainly never did that but unfortunately they had a blocked kick they had a blocked punt they had a weird chip uh kickoff where like they had the 15 yard penalty and instead of just kicking it through the end zone they tried to do a high pop-up and then the the braxton barrios returns it past the 30 like not a good day for the special teams um i thought it was just kind of worth noting that this was the first one honestly this was the first one where it was like okay this was a bad game by the special teams hopefully this is just a little blip on the radar though i mean i was sitting there the game was so terrible at that point i was kind of just laughing as this was unfolding like sure why not what else can go wrong with this team? Oh, yeah. Why doesn't special teams just divert back to last year's special team while they're at it? Who cares, right? Right. It was getting comical. It sure it, it, it was, was. It was. All right. Let's get to this week's Packer predictions. They're playing the Commanders. The Commanders are a bad football team. If the Packers lose this one, there needs to be some real conversations to be had because the commanders are bad. They have two wins week one. They beat the Jaguars and this past week. They barely beat a very crappy Chicago bears team. And they only won because Vilas Jones is muffed the punt um, and gave the gave Washington a, an opportunity. So the Packers are projected to win this one by Vegas. They're projected to win 23 to 18. The commander's defense is decent. They, so I, I don't think it's going to be a super high scoring game, but the commander's offense is real terrible. We are going up against Taylor Heineke because Carson Wentz is hurt. Taylor Heineke might actually be better than Carson Wentz. So I'm not sure if this is a good or a bad thing for the Packers, but either way, Tyler Heineke isn't like a good quarterback. Um, I have the Packers winning 20 to 10 in this one. Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, take the, Ooh, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to take the, Commanders, ah, no, I'm not going to go Commanders today. I feel in the Packers. What the heck? Packers are going to rebound this one back. Uh, they're going to win um, 10 to 7. Low scoring game from you. If it makes you feel better, last night you chose the Commanders to win 24 to 17. I know. I remembered I took the Commanders. <laughs> yep, I am. Why not? Dave is much more optimistic today than he was yesterday when we recorded. If 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 uh, ten and seven is optimistic, I don't know. Well, you picked them to win. You you picked uh the you picked the Packers to win today, and uh, you didn't yesterday. So I would say that is more optimistic. I'm I'm feeling good. <laughs> All right. I I exercised my right as an owner, and I wrote them a letter, so I'm feeling good. All right. Are you ready to? Well, let's before we get into Bucks predictions here, let's name our MVPs of the week. Um, I will start. Not a lot of optimists to go on. I did debate Robert Tunyon. He had ten catches, actually set a Packer franchise record for most catches by a tight end in a game. Uh, but honestly, that game was so crappy. I didn't want to go there. There wasn't really any Badgers who deserved it. Badger football players, I should say, that deserved it. So I went on the volleyball side. I'm going with Devin Robinson, um, who had. 12 kills and five blocks in their win over Michigan uh, this past week was really a dual threat in that game. She was awesome. So she's my pick for MVP of the week. Nice. I did stay on the Wisconsin women's athletic side as well. I went to the hockey team and I am going to go with uh, Caroline Harvey. She had two goals. One of them was the game winner in overtime, and she had two big assists in that game as well to uh, help get the game tied. So great game uh, and that overtime win. I had to go there. Um, just that performance to get the game winner, adding a goal and two assists was good performance this week. All right. You ready to get to our basketball predictions? Yep. I'm ready for another Wisconsin sports team. Uh, to start off, because what else do we need? Just another team to break our hearts. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, all right. We'll do our predictions, and then we'll get into a quick, small season preview as the Milwaukee Bucks season does kick off. They kick off tomorrow night uh, in Philly, and then they have their home opener on Saturday against the Houston Rockets, um, which I will be attending. Very much looking forward to being back in Pfizer Forum for a game. Um, but let's get into these predictions. Started off nice and easy. 
What do you got for a record for the Milwaukee Bucks this year? Yeah, so for the record, I think the Bucks are going to be. I got to take a quick look here. This is the one thing I didn't write down. <laughs> well, last night you got the number of games in the season wrong. So, yeah, I know that's why I had to look it back up because <laughs> I still have the wrong. I still have the wrong record down. <laughs> I'll start it wow. while you're doing that. I'll, I'll be. Uh, 52 and 30, I believe I was. Okay, 52 and 30 for Dave. I have them doing a little bit better. I have them going 58 and 24. Um, I can just, we can get into this real quick, just small why. The reason I have them winning actually so many games is I just think they're really deep. I think this year when guys rest, they're going to be able, like when Brooke Lopez misses a game, they're going to be able to plug in someone like a Serge Ibaka instead of like what they had to last year. Last year, to start the year, they had guys like Yorgios Kalitzakis and a rookie, Sandrew Mamukalashvili and Justin Robinson and like a Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale and a lot of guys who are just no longer in the league anymore. Um, this year, the Bucks end of the bench is guys like Serge Ibaka, George Hill, um, Wes Matthews. Like they have just so much better. Marjan Bochamp, they're a, an actual first round pick. Uh, Mamu had a much better summer. I'm excited to see his improvement. So, like, I think that the end of the bench is a lot better this year, and I think that's really going to help them in the regular season when guys are coming in and out and they have to kind of dip into that. Part of, I don't know how much that helps them come playoff time, but regular season wise, I expect that they actually are going to win a lot more this year. So that's why I have them going 58 wins. It makes sense. That's that, that makes a lot of sense that, uh, you know, depth wise, they're a little bit better. Uh, how long Middleton's out? How long? Uh, they haven't set an exact timeline. Pat Connaughton is going to miss the first three weeks of the season. Uh, they just said Chris Middleton is going to miss the beginning of the season. They didn't say exactly when. And then Joe Ingles should be back sometime in January. Got it. Makes so, sense. Wing depth is going to take a little bit of a hit here early. Um, I'll get into that into the preview when we previewed the week, though. Um, so let's move on. How far do you think the Milwaukee Bucks will go this year? Conference finals. And I, spoiler alert, this is going to spoil a future question. I have the Milwaukee Bucks winning the whole damn thing. NBA champions. I've I've given up being optimistic on Wisconsin sports teams to win any championship at this point because I I feel like I predicted every year and it never works. So trying a different thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. How many all-stars do you think the Milwaukee Bucks get? I'll start this one since you you started the last two. I have them getting only one. Just Giannis makes it this year. What do you got? I got three. All right. Which three do you have? Giannis, Holiday, Bobby Portis. Should have known you were going to go with your guy. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. All right. Uh, Moving on. These are just some easy questions here. Uh, Over, under 30% from three from Giannis. I'll start. I'm going to say over. I'm going to go over as well. He is so close last year. I think he takes a step forward. He's over this year. Yeah, he was just under 30%. So I am with you. I think he, not that he's going to be like a sharpshooter or anything, but I think he gets to like 31, 32%, something along those lines. You don't think he's going to get to 50%? Got it. I don't think that's in the cards. Not this year. Maybe next year. Is there anybody other than maybe Curry that shoots 50? Does Curry even shoot 50? No, Probably no not. No one in the NBA shoots 50 for a full season. Javon Carter actually did shoot over 50% for the Bucks last year, but that was in only a handful of games in the second half of the year. So over a full season, no one shoots 50%. Uh, speaking of Javon Carter, who plays more minutes this year, George Hill or Javon Carter? Uh, I'll let you go first. Carter. I have Carter as well. So this coming up with these questions for the Bucks was honestly a lot harder than with other teams we've done. And when I made this, it was kind of a toss up at the time. I think it's come pretty clear with Carter's preseason. George Hills, an older guy, is going to probably get some rest games. I think this is going to be pretty easily Javon Carter. Um, I expect him to be pretty much an every night player for the Bucks this year. And so uh, this question probably got a little bit outdated, but oh well. Moving on. Uh, who plays more minutes, Marjan Bochamp or Jordan Nuora? Uh I'm going to go with Jordan Nuora for this one. 
Yeah, I second that. I just don't think they sign him to the contract they did and then have him sit on the bench, uh, you know, a majority of the time. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think Marjan will get a lot of time actually in Oshkosh with the herd. Not that Marjan won't ever play with the Bucks. I think he'll get his minutes, but I think uh, Jordan Nuora will probably get more minutes, which will make some people not happy. There's a lot of people who I think are really hoping to see Marjan get a lot more minutes than he probably will. But I mean, we'll see. All right. Uh, more text per game. So this is from, a actually Bobby Portis asked this on media day. He said who was going to get more text himself or Joe Ingles. I'm changing this a little bit to say more text per game since Joe Ingles is missing like the first half of the season. So who do you got Bobby Portis or Joe Ingles? Uh, Joe Ingles. I'm going to go with Bobby Portis. So we finally got a little bit of a difference after answering the last three, the same. Oh, come on. Bobby Portis never does anything wrong. He's not going to get any techs. Come on. No, he would never get a tech (laughs) in like game six, fourth quarter of game six of the finals or anything. No, never. (laughs) All right. Outside of the big three and Brooke Lopez, who starts the most games for the Bucks this year? Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with uh, Bobby Portis. Going with your man again, Mr. Bobby Portis. I'm going to go with Grayson Allen on this one. I think he uh, kind of takes back his starting role. Yeah, I actually had Grayson Allen down, but I, I figured I'd go with uh, Bobby Portis because uh, he started a lot for us last year. He absolutely did. It's certainly possible. If Brooke Lopez has another injury or like they might just want to do a jumbo lineup anyway, I'm not sure. We, we still don't know who's going to be the starting lineup for them like tomorrow night in Philly. So it's certainly possible Bobby earns a starting spot this year. Um, okay, going on, who leads the team in three-point percentage this year? You have to play a minimum of 10 games. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go first on this one. I got Grayson Allen in this one as well. I got Drew Holiday. This one was tough. Drew Between Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, and Bobby Portis, all three were above 40% last year. I think all three will be above 40% this year. You could even make maybe throw like Pat Connaughton into this mix. And like I said, Javon Carter was above 50% in the limited time he was with the Bucks last year. So this could go a lot of different ways. Chris Middleton's a good shooter. So I thought this one was going to be kind of interesting. We'll see how this one plays out. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. I want to go Bobby Portis, but... I gotta, I gotta try to keep my Bobby Portis fandom in check a little bit. <laughs> All right. Do you think either Chris Middleton or Brooke Lopez gets extended before the end of the season? Yes. Do you want to put a prediction on which one? Both. I believe Chris does. You believe Chris Middleton does? I'll say no. I think they ride it out with both of them. I don't think either one gets an extension. Uh, of a similar vein, do you think the Milwaukee Bucks will make an in-season trade this year? And if so, who do you think they trade away? I say yes. All right. And who do you think they trade? Serge Ibaka. All right. I'm going to go with no. I don't think they make any moves in season besides maybe something with like two-way contracts, but nothing on the 15-man roster. I think the 15 we have is the 15 we're going to have come playoffs. Makes sense. Makes sense. I could see that. All right. Let's get to our NBA predictions now. Who do you think will be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference? Um, In the Eastern Conference, I got the Nets. All right. I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. Boo. <laughs> Similar vein, who do you think the one seed in the West will be? Clippers. I got the Minnesota Timberwolves, which would be a lot of fun. Honestly, I hope it happens, but we'll see. That would be pretty crazy. We know now who we think will be the one seeds. Who do you think wins the East? Who gets to the finals? You said you have the Bucks losing the conference finals. Who are they losing to? Ah, the stupid Celtics again. Boo. Uh, Spoilers. I picked the Bucks to win the East. Uh, are you sure that's how that works? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how that works. All right. Who do you think wins the West? Who do, who do you have facing the Celtics in the finals? The Warriors. Going with the repeat finals matchup. What is this? Like Warriors-Cavs all over again? 
Yeah, have feeling in that way. I have the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Los Angeles Clippers in the finals. All right. Nice. I already spoiled this one for me. Who do you have winning the finals? I have Bucks over Clippers. What do you got? Who wins, Warriors or Celtics? I got the Warriors taking the Celtics to the cleaners all over again. You literally just going off last year's predictions, huh? Did you just like look up what happened last year and roll with that? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right. Awards time. Who do you think wins the MVP? I'll start. Um, I think Giannis comes back, wins his third MVP. I think this is the year that he, he went away. Voter for T got him for a little bit, uh, but I think he comes back. I think he's going to put up some ridiculous numbers, 30 points a game, six rebounds a game. Uh, I'm sorry, double digit rebounds, six assists a game, stuff like that. I think the Bucks win 58 games. Uh, I think he gets MVP. I'm going to go uh, Luca. That's a popular pick. If the Mavs are good, that very well could be. Uh, rookie of the year, who you got? I'm going to go uh, Keegan Murray. Taking the dude from Iowa, huh? Yeah, from Iowa. Iowa. I'm going to go with uh, Paolo Bencaro from the Orlando Magic. Uh, number one overall pick. Not exactly a bold pick, but honestly, this there's a lot of different guys I debated on this one. Keegan Murray was one of the guys I debated. Jaden Ivey from Detroit. Um, there, there's, this could really go a lot of different ways, but uh, I'll, I'll go with Paolo. Uh, defensive player of the year. I got Rudy Gobert of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Who do you got? I got Bam. From Miami would be his first. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, coach of the year. Um, I, because I have the Timberwolves as the one seed, I'm picking their coach as coach of the year. So Chris Finch is my coach of the year prediction. I am going with, uh, good old faithful Steve Kerr. That's a fair one. He would certainly be a, a rightful winner. Uh, last, last award question here. Uh, sixth man of the year. Who do you got? Um, since I think the warriors are going to be so good. I'm going to have to go with uh, Jordan Poole. All right. And I'm going to go with uh, Boston Celtic, former Milwaukee Buck, Malcolm Brogdon as sixth man of the year. There's our predictions. Um, We'll get into a quick preview here. As you mentioned, uh, Milwaukee wing depth is a little bit banged up here. Pat Connaughton. Chris Matt, uh, Chris Matthews, Chris Middleton, and Joe Ingles are all going to miss the start of the season. Uh, on the brighter side, Wes Matthews was cleared. He is ready to go for tomorrow night's game in Philly. We don't know the starting lineup. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. We'll see who's who even plays. Does Marjan Bochamp get minutes? Does Jordan Nuora get minutes? Both are certainly possible. Um, as we get into it, only two games this week before we record next, but. Uh, they should be fun ones. Philly one's a big one. They obviously got kicked off the season last night. Um, Houston is an up-and-coming team. That'll be a fun one for the home opener on Saturday. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting going here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the start of the season here. Um, what For the opening night, you think the Bucs pull it off? I do not, actually. I think they lose this one. I think, I think it's an advantage that Philly already got to play one. Um, the Bucks barely, the Bucks were played the least amount of their rotation guys in the entire preseason. They kind of took like the Packers strategy of barely playing their guys. So I think we're going to come out a little bit rusty. Uh, I think Philly's got a little bit of advantage. Philly is one of the better teams in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, there, uh, so there's five real title contenders in my eyes. That's the Bucks, 76ers, Nets, Warriors, and Clippers. Uh, and so I, I think, unfortunately, Milwaukee, especially with the lack of wing depth early on here, I think they do drop this one. But I do think they win on Saturday against Houston. So I think my prediction is when we're talking next week, they're one and one. Makes sense. I could see that definitely happening. One other thing I really wanted to bring up quick before we wrap this up here tonight. Uh, I didn't realize kind of how much of a favorite the Milwaukee Bucks are considered. But like when I was going through all the different news sources, predictions and stuff like that. ESPN had 18 different writers make NBA predictions of those 18, 15 of the 18 have the bucks getting to the finals and 12 of them have them winning the finals. So two thirds of the ESPN writers have the Milwaukee bucks winning the whole thing. When I went to the athletic, they had 39 guys make NBA predictions. 
29 of the 39 had them getting to the finals and 19 of them had them winning. So half of over half of the athletic writers and two thirds of the ESPN writers have the Milwaukee Bucks as NBA champions. And that's pretty wild to me. That is wild. I mean, they're expecting them to continue to be hungry to get back for another championship. And uh, Giannis probably gets a little bit better year over year, like we've been seeing. And, uh, they're like you said, they have a little bit more depth on the team this year. It's highly possible that happens, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I I I don't think any team's chances are better than like 15%. I say that all the time, and I, I truly mean it. But I think it's like I didn't realize the Bucks were kind of that much of an overwhelming favor compared to the rest of the league, but it kind of makes sense. They didn't generate the headlines over the offseason, like they're there wasn't any of the controversy going on with like Kevin Durant or everything going on with the Suns or Draymond Green punching out a teammate or anything like that. Like the Bucks quietly went about their business, very boring, but they brought back their team that took Boston to seven games without Chris Middleton last year. And like, so I think people see that they see what they were able to do. And I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully all those people are right. And the Milwaukee Bucks do end the season as NBA champions, just because you're the favorite definitely does not mean anything. Like there are a lot of favorites who lose all the time. So hopefully the Milwaukee Bucks are able to pull this one out, but it's, I've never been in the position where like my team that I root for is the overwhelming favorite going into the season. That's pretty unique from, from my perspective. You mean basketball, I would assume. I mean, in general, like the only other time I can remember my team being an overwhelming favorite is 2011 after the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010. Like, I mean, people have picked the Packers, but like when over half of it, people are picking one team, like that certainly never happened with the Brewers or Badgers or anything. Yeah, I would say it's probably happened to the Packers a couple times recently. I honestly don't remember it outside of 2011. I mean, I remember a couple of people picking the Packers this year, a couple of people picking them last year, but like a lot of people also picked Tampa Bay or Buffalo or Kansas city. Like, I don't know. It didn't seem like they were overwhelming favorites. Yeah. It makes sense. But I'm excited for basketball to get going back. I've talked about it here. Basketball is my favorite sport. The bucks are my favorite team. I know I'm in the minority on a lot of that, but I'm really excited for the season to get going here and I'm sitting here watching an overtime game between the Knicks and Grizzlies. It's exciting. It's good to have basketball back on my TV and uh, I'm looking forward to it, but do you have anything else before we wrap up here tonight? I got nothing else on any Wisconsin sports. Um, uh, Yeah. I think we covered everything and talked about all the fun stuff and all the non-fun stuff as well. Lots of non-fun tonight, but at least we got to end with a fun segment. I do got to say one thing. At least we're not the Broncos. At least we're not the Broncos. That's fair. Things could be worse. I mean, things could be worse. We could be the Chicago Bears. That'd be a lot worse. Are they even a professional team? Not. They don't. sure don't seem to act like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good times. All right, everybody. We appreciate you listening. Um, thanks. Uh for giving us listens we appreciate it remember to find us on twitter facebook and yeah thank you everyone yeah see you guys Uh, sorry for the day late uh recording that's all on me i had technical issues so blame me yell at me on whatever social media platform you want to i deserve it i'm a terrible person i know have a good one guys i am going to go out there and uh shame you on social media already (laughs) go for it go for it awesome Talk to you guys later. Bye. See you guys.